Welcome to Genesis Metro Church. Hi, everybody. I pray to the good Lord above. This is the last week ever that we have to do this. Yes, we hope it is the last week. Next week, we are scheduled to open up on August 2nd at Genesis Metro Church. GM Kids included babies to zone all the way through, all the way through fifth grade. All of it. We've been working on it, but yeah, for sure, we are ready to be back. Right. We were adding up the weeks for those that were unable to come after the first shutdown because we didn't have childcare open. And how many weeks did we get we to? We had 20, 20. 20 weeks. 20 weeks. It will have been 20 weeks. So if you haven't been to church since the first shutdown, uh, the last time we met was March 8th. Mm. So if you haven't been to church since then because you've been waiting on the kids to open, it's been 20 weeks. <laughs> I miss you. I am so sorry that oh, you are going through that. And I hope that today's message is even going to bring some hope. I had some conversations this week where people were describing to me that, you know, in earnest, that they weren't built to live in hopelessness. And yeah. it feels like if there isn't a solution um, to Corona and there isn't a solution to the isolation, then uh, starts it to feel hopeless. Starts to feel like, what, where do I go? What do we do now? How do I handle this? And so I hope that uh, today's message will help with that. Um, as far as the week is concerned, um, yeah, it was wedding week. Ah, it was wedding week. If we talk too much about it, I might get teary-eyed. And, you know, I said I said to a friend last night as I was going to sleep, it was 1.30 or 2 in the morning before we crawled in the bed, exhausted. But I would, you know, she said, are you, or have you cried? Are you upset? And I said, you know, there's nothing sad about this. We're very excited for them. We're very happy for them. And it was just a really joyous last few days to celebrate Jordan and Kennedy, our oldest son, and his new bride, who's now Kennedy born. Kennedy born. We I got my first daughter. <laughs> Took me 46 years. Yeah. And um, her her dad and stepmom and her mom and, and her fiance, we were all celebrating together. And Bud and Crystal Hughes, they're at our church and that's her dad. And it was just a great celebration of, you know, what God's done in their lives. So we have been on wedding, like we have just been on this jet plane doing wedding stuff and it just landed and we're sort of recuperating today. So um, we're very excited um, that this week is finally here. We've been planning it for a long time. Yeah, and I also wanna say uh, thank you uh, to all of our members um, because many of you um, have got to watch, uh, so to speak, my children grow up yeah. and have uh, placed your hands and your words um, on their lives and have contributed uh, to their growth and maturity and their strength and um, to know that they have a church family that supports them, that lifts them up in prayer, that is willing to guide them whenever they are at those forks in the roads. And mom and dad can't always be the, yeah. the person yeah. uh, that they want to come to. And I've always encouraged my kids to have those other voices in their lives. They're going to point them in the right direction. And many of you have given them some of those little life lessons along the way, whether it's camps or VBSs or all the things. And there's too many to count. There's too many to count. And, and our kids would definitely, you know, they have embraced that really. Mm -hmm. We have um, it kind of leads into the sermon today, but they've definitely embraced, you know, um, their church community yep. and the community that God's given them through the years in different forms, different leaders. But for sure, there are so many that have had a hand in raising and forming them spiritually mm -hmm. along with us. So we're very, very thankful. And thank you for all those who've reached out this week to just say congratulations and 
all of those things, you know, all of those add up and are a real blessing to our family. And, you know, it really even goes further um, on my Facebook feed today. I, I know that I saw people back from the church uh, that I uh, accepted Christ and started preaching in. And, <laughs> you know, without their yeah. investment in me, then I wouldn't have had the opportunity. So it, it kind of proves itself in a full circle moment as we're going to be looking at uh, Joshua and the stacking of the stones today that, you know, for all of us, everyone that's watching this video today, you need, you need those God voices in your life. And that's why another reason why we need church. You know, Absolutely. You're not yeah. going to gather those voices um, out there in the world most of the time. And um, virtual connection will only go so far. I think we've, we found that to be 100% true. Um, almost everyone is like, I am done with that. And um, yeah. interesting, uh, on the precipice of our future interactions, we've always said that uh, when we grow and if we're able to do multi-campuses someday, we always wanted to have you know, live uh, teaching. And so anyway, that's for another day. But if you want to gather with us today, we're going to be talking about the subject, Stacking Stones. And it comes out of Joshua chapter 4, which all of the stones that are down at the front of the church, uh, that was where this idea was, was birthed and where the vision was um, received. And we wanted to revisit that in light of the week that we had and hopefully give some encouragement on uh, how we gain resolve and how we gain encouragement and courage and hope and then some of the things that that we've tried to stack in place um, for our children so that it guides them when they come to these momentous decisions about um, what they're going to do with their lives and who they're going to spend uh, the rest of their lives with in a uh, marriage and so I hope that these will be things that will encourage you and maybe you can adopt um, and add to your family structure that will encourage your children to pursue after God and to pick a person that they want to spend the rest of their life with that's going to be a person that is um, uh, going to add to that relationship and is going to bring health to that relationship and is going to be on the journey with them and yeah. that, and know that, that God is the centerpiece for that and, and that first and foremost we have to do um, what what God's best is for our for our lives and yeah, so yeah. Uh, with that in mind we'll pivot to the passage at this point triple P um, we don't have a game today no. uh, I'm sorry if you were you're waiting on it but it's not happening today um, oh boy. it's been too long it's been it's been a, it's it's been been a, week. a couple days Whoa. it's been a week we've gotten a little sleep yeah <laughs> Joshua chapter 4 it says and Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan, one for each tribe. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants, when your children ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Mm. You tell them Israel crossed on dry ground. Oh, man. Um, as you are walking through this with us today, um, I wanted to talk from two different points of view. Number one, as we're stacking these stones, I wanna say that we gather our story. So if we're stacking stones, those stones are building a story. And you'll notice it said one from each tribe. We'll make that personal is that you need to have a stone that represents your tribe, your family's story. And the great thing about it is that God is going to write a story in your life. When you say yes to him, it's like the, the first introduction. 
is written. And then the rest of your life is chapters that are added to that story. Uh, almost a stone, you could say, for, for each story in your life. And what I noticed in this passage was that we gather those those stories, those we can call them story stones. We gather our story stones from obstacles we face. So as they were crossing the river, it says that when they had crossed over to the other side, Joshua told the priest, go back and get a stone for each tribe. And so they stacked these stones in the middle, and then they also gathered stones, and they carried them on their shoulders. And it says when they got to the other side, they stacked them up, 12 stones high, one for each tribe of Israel. And... And I thought they gathered it out of the obstacle they were facing. So the Jordan River was the thing that was keeping them from the promised land. Mm. And so God, I love God. God is so poetic. Yeah. He's so creative. Yeah. It's like if you were a, a producer in Hollywood, you would always hire God, right? <laughs> because he does it better. I mean, he just, always. just, he just knows how to, yeah. how to script the story in such a way that it's beautiful. And so imagine they're, they're on, before they cross, they're looking out this river with, you know, prospectively scholars say a million people. And they're looking at this river and they know on the other side is the promised land. But there's not a bridge. They can't get across. There's anymore. not a, and it's at flood season. Well, and the, the Jordan River wasn't like a little river no. that we see, that we're thinking of. Maybe if you're thinking, do you think it may be more like the Mississippi? It yeah. It's huge. Impassable. Yes. And flood season, so it, it right. would often size double its size during the flood season. Sure. And so they're looking at this obstacle and and like how? How can we do that? How? And so I think that a lot of people right now uh, during this corona season, I know that the latest chatter around town <laughs> is school. Ooh. And we're looking at the river and we're saying... Listen. How are we going to do this? How are we going to send our kids to school? I know that many of you, like myself, are fretting over football. <laughs> what would we do? More importantly. What football. would we do if football season is canceled? What will you do with your fall? What would we College do? College football. What would we NFL. do? NFL. Oh, I don't know. FFL. I mean, I don't know. High what? school, Texas high school football. I mean... I know Tracy Blackwood is watching this. She's yeah. saying amen right now. She, that woman cannot live without football. No. I don't know what we're going to do. No. Mm -mm, no. And so, as they're sitting there staring at this obstacle, um, God makes a way, as he always does. It opens up, and... Which we could just talk about that. We could. They're standing there at this river in the mighty Mississippi, let's say, and how are we going to get across? Uh, they're all asking each other. And then God, Tim, you just said it so casually. And then God does what he does. He makes a way and the waters just open up. And it, can you imagine that mm. moment? I mean, this story, because this is obviously not the only time he did this, you know, to make sure he was providing for his children and all that he wanted for them. I mean, can you imagine being there if you were five, if you're 10, if you're 20, if you're 40 or maybe like 80 and you're watching this water part mm. and here is their God uh, once again showing up in this miraculous way and this obstacle in front of them that was, you know, they can't, it's unovercomeable. Mm. I don't even know if that's a word. I don't think it is. Crazy. So they cross over and then God says, now go back and gather a stone, a story stone out of the obstacle and then stack it on the other side. And that's where <laughs> my inspiration came this week is yeah. that 
Um, many of you right now are facing unovercomable mm. obstacles yep. because you can't fix the isolation. You can't fix the Corona. Yeah. You're trying to think about what is going to happen with your job when school doesn't start back up in a normal fashion and all the economic um, after effects are getting ready to, to hit our country uh, come this fall along with the craziness of an election season and all that comes with that. There's just so many things going on and I think that if we're not careful we can fall into despair and I know that this isolation has caused a lot of people to feel that way and there's a lot of different things that that isolation does but they cross over this obstacle and then God says now I want you to go gather out of that obstacle these story stones and I think that what I'd like to tell you is if you're in that place right now whether it's a literal season because of corona or a spiritual season an emotional season with your spouse with your children with your finances that these are the times I promise you this that if you well, listen to God. He's going to point you toward a stone that you can gather out of this obstacle. Yeah. And he's going to carry you through it like he always does. And then you can stack it on the other side. And what happens is over time, you can show that to your children as an example. So a couple of stones that I wanted to refer to um, that we have learned over the years. Uh, one was, uh, I thought it was resolve, is that... Um, whenever we're facing obstacles, God has taught me through the ones that he's brought me through that I can have resolve, that, that the obstacle is an opportunity for me to trust. And even though I don't know how, and right now there's a, there's a lot of I don't knows. A lot of I don't knows. I have more I don't knows than I do knows <laughs> right now when it comes to our church and, you know, uh, small group structures with the second wave hitting and you know virtual meetings for the students and how those were you know it's like students will only it's like it was like everybody's here and now everybody's not here and so you need to have connection and you're weighing out the risk and the safety and and um you know i talked to with one church member uh, this week and and he was saying at the end of the day you know we're all just trying to do our best but we don't know and I think that's a that's an honest place that we're in. Yeah. And what I've learned is through those past experiences of of ministry and trials and travails and our dating life even and ministry life and uh, planting church and all of the things is that God has always taught me, Tim, you can't ever stop, you can't ever quit. So for me, quitting's not an option. And God teaches us resolve as we are obedient when the obstacle is in front of us. If we never are obedient when the obstacle is in front of us, we never get to the other side. That way, we never gather the stone. And so one of the stones that you'll learn to gather along the way is resolve. It's the resolve that God sent me in motion, and it doesn't matter if there's an obstacle here, my resolve has to be to keep going down the path. And God's... Um, uh, God's uh, responsibility is to make the way. And so my resolve teaches me that God is always going to follow through on his responsibility, but he's waiting for me to be obedient to the opportunity that's in front of me. So that was one of the stories or one of the stones that I saw. And then you talked about courage. Yeah, I think, you know, 
for me, these, these are closely related because you can't have resolve without having courage. Mm. But when we were, you know, thinking through this today, it was like, what are some things that maybe we would learn from it? And so this stone, you know, of courage of being able to come out on the other side with courage. And for me, it's, uh, there's a great um, speech uh, that's been written called The Man in the Arena. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, you know, describing that this man in the arena. It's Teddy Roosevelt. It's, it is Teddy Roosevelt. I didn't remember exactly who it was. Um, but he's he shows up time and again in the arena to take on um, the challenge, basically. Mm-hmm. And his face is marred by mm-hmm. dust and dirt. and It's not the know, critic who counts. It's not the critic who mm-hmm. counts. It's I the one I, that's been in the ring. I'm going to kick myself for not having this written out and be able to read it. But you know, there's dirt under his fingernails and, and everything's happening. And he falls down and he gets back up. And he has the He knows courage. the agony of defeat. Oh, and yeah. he knows the joy of victory. There you go. And it says... You know what? At least he was mm. willing, mm. daring greatly, to just step into the arena, mm-hmm. and that really is a great definition of courage. Because what, you know, as we're talking about passing things on to our kids, you know, we're at the stage of life now. We, you know, we have a son who's married. We have a seventeen-year-old, a twelve-year-old, but those older ones start to ask, you know, the mature questions of life. They start to ask the questions that really start to shape who they're going to become. And so you start to have these conversations when they're older. If any of you out there have any kind of mid-high schoolers, you understand what I mean. Um, And if they're not asking questions, start initiating those conversations. But one of the things we talk about a lot at home and we have for years, when they, you know, this verse tells us when they ask you, when your children ask you, like, how did you get through that? Or what did God do with that? You tell them exactly what this means. And so one of the things we've told our kids is there is not going to be a season of life that's just easy. Courage is facing something, knowing it's going to be difficult and resolving to walk through it anyway. Mm. So courage is knowing like, oh, it may not be easy to figure out you know, how I'm going to get this next job or this next promotion or be able to manage all the balls I have in the air and juggle everything. But it's knowing that I need to walk through it and it's facing it anyway. It's not walking away from a relationship just because it's getting difficult. It is having the conversations that need to be had. It is investing time in your kids, even though you don't have any time left. It is investing time in your spouse. It is choosing kindness or choosing grace when you really want to be done. Whatever it is, Courage is facing the hard things, Mm. even though you know it's going to be hard. You know that the next week of that challenge is going to test you. You know the next month or the next six months. Whatever it is, courage is something we need to arm our kids with because they need it for life. And they can't have resolve without having courage. They need them both. One of the things that um, I was thinking about in that story, and you just inspired me, is that, you know, in this particular instance, the water did not roll back until the priests stepped in. So they had mm. to step in in order to yeah. create their story. Yeah, sometimes it's just the first step. And so I just yeah. want to encourage you that sometimes you're looking at that obstacle and you're trying to figure out how to cross it Yeah. before you're wanting to step in. And so you're, you're, you're basically saying, I, I, I'm fearful to take that first step because I don't know what's gonna happen next. And that's where I think that I see the courage is this, when they stepped in, that's how they got to their story. And so maybe that's an inspiring word for someone who's watching here today that that God might be speaking to you and saying, hey, you gotta take that step. It's true. You gotta take that step. If you wanna get to the story stone that you can give to your kids later on, you gotta take that step. And then trust, Mm -hmm. God is going to do the rest. 
Um, point number two, the future stories are being created by the stones that you're stacking today. Hmm. Uh, I want, we'll put the verse back up on the screen at this point. It says in verse 21, I reiterate, in the future, when your descendants ask. So Joshua is saying, in the future, your children are going to ask. Mm -hmm. And if you don't gather it today, then you aren't going to have a story in the future. Yeah. So that's why what you do today, in your obedience, in your tone setting for your children, you got to be obedient today. you got to step in today to start stacking those stones that they can reference in their lives. Well, and I think it's to not forget what God has done. So sure. when you're when you're retelling it to them, it's not forgetting the ways that God has been faithful. I I believe that we're in and this may not be a unique, you know, era that we're living in as far as this point goes of it is a lot easier to get distracted away from what God's doing in our lives. So we may have like this moment with God or an encounter with God at a church service or a worship or a life group or a retreat and it's just life-changing but then maybe that if has anybody experienced this where like a year later you're so far from that point that you were at you can't really even remember what happened and I think you know when I when, when I'm looking at this Tim and being able to retell the stories of what God has done is very important mm -hmm. because I think if we cannot retell them what he's done and be able to offer them stones it's like scars almost it's like scars. I have a scar here on my thumb and I look at it all the time and it's where I was, um, I gathered caterpillars as a kid in a jar. I was kind of a tomboy and I was poking holes in the top of the mason jar with a knife and it slipped and it cut my hand open and the scar is still here. And I look down at that and I always remember, I remember what happened to me in that. I remember that, that this is a story I retell over and over. And I think if we can remember that even our scars are opportunities. They're stories that God is telling. They are stories that we need to pass on. And it's important that we don't forget what God's done in the middle of some of our brokenness and some, some of our seasons that if we didn't have them, we wouldn't be here. You know, I wonder. So as we were thinking about the wedding week, I was, I thought it might be profitable um, for us to share some of the things that we invested um, in Jordan and we currently invest in our children that are stones that we want them to take with them as they're making their big decisions in life. Um, and so I wanted to go over three of those with you. Uh, number one, uh, tell them early and often mm, that's good. God's design for relationships. And so mm -hmm. as we have moved through um, the church years and, and as our children have gotten older, they're able to see things and uh, Lord knows, as a pastor's kid, you get a front row seat at a lot of people that come in for a season and they go out for a season or they come in and, and maybe the marriage doesn't hold up or maybe sin overtakes them in an area, all the things that, that occur. And um, they get to see all the good things too. They see people that come in broken and by God's grace are, are healed and uh, lifted up and, and now are leaders in our church. And so in the midst of all that, these are opportunities to tell them like, hey, this is why we have to do it God's way. Here's a, there's a picture of someone that did it God's way. There's a picture of someone who chose to go outside of God's boundaries. And so reinforcing um, God's design for relationships yeah. is so critical yeah. that you are, you are out there actively looking for someone who 
Well, let's stop, step back. Number one, you have to be pursuing after God. And then number two, you're trying to find someone who's pursuing God just like you're pursuing God. And then that becomes the parameters for which you can say yes to yeah. a relationship. If, sure. if a person isn't pursuing after God and you choose them to be your husband or wife, then I think that you're trying to play catch up um, for sometimes very, very long seasons. Absolutely. And so if we do it God's way, it doesn't mean it can't work out. Yeah. But it, it just means that if we do it God's way to begin with, we get a head start because we're agreeing to the rules of the relationship because it's foundational stone is God's word, not my way. Right. And that leads to such a jump start, um, a head start in the well, relationship. If, if that's always your foundation, then it doesn't matter what, you know, for Tim and I, we've been married 23 and a half years, just about that. And for us, I mean, we connected, you know, first on the God thing, right? We, we met at, at a retreat that was designed for Christian college students. And, and that's where we met. And we instantly had this connection of, you know, our, our journeys uh, on our a Christian path with God. Tim was already in the ministry and Carrie I was hot. <laughs> that helped. That played a Sorry. factor. I'm making a point, but I think for us, what we have always had is that bond. Now there are many relationships that don't start there. Maybe you know you're like, listen, our story is opposite of that. We met somewhere that was at far a bar. from God. We met at a bar. Right? So we have friends that'll say, oh, we well, we're not like you guys, and we giggle and laugh about it. It's important that once you find that foundation that that is always the thing that tethers you back to the center. Mm -hmm. So we're not ever going to bounce so far out, so to speak, with the tethering analogy, we're not ever going to bounce so far out that we can't be pulled back in because our foundation is a common foundation that sets us right where we need to be. And we've been able to pass that on to our kids. Um, and God's, God's love and grace and mercy will supersede every problem that arises in your life because it is the central force that pulls you back into the common ground. Yeah, the way that I like to describe that to people is that relationships are like rubber bands. And so if you don't have God as the anchor point, what will happen is you can stretch a rubber band. Yeah. But the further you stretch it, Ooh. the thinner it gets. Yeah. And then eventually if you stretch it too far, what happens? It breaks. And so in order for your relationship to not ever get stretched too far, you got to have God as the anchoring point. Mm -hmm. Because if you start pulling in one direction and your spouse is pulling in the opposite direction, it doesn't take too long before it gets stretched too far and then things begin to break down. And so when God is pulling you back in as the center point, he won't let you get out there. Mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're choosing grace, if you're choosing mercy, if you're choosing patience, if you're choosing kindness, it doesn't get out right. to this volatile place right. where you have these big, long uh, lulls in communication where you start to, you know, uh, give each other the silent treatment where the the bedroom uh, starts to, uh, what would be a word I'd like to Grow use? Cold. To... Grow cold. Grow <laughs> cold. It's cold. Baby, it's cold outside. Oh, mm. Cold inside. Anyway. Um, okay, yeah. listen, what I, what I want to say is some are you, practical Are you cutting me off at the past? I am, I am. I'm going to cut you off on the bedroom talk. Um, so when we're talking about this, some people might say, okay, well, how do I do that? Okay, go to church. Okay, don't, you know, don't like disregard the opportunities and the connecting opportunities. Have Christian friends, have people that are around you. All those things, yes. All of those outside things, yes. 
But if you if you don't invest time in your personal relationship mm-hmm. with God, those outside things even have a shelf life. Mm-hmm. And what I mean outside things is anything outside of like your communication with God. So attending church, attending life groups, surrounding yourself with great people, turning on worship music, praying with your spouse or praying for your spouse, those are all great things. But if you are not, if you do not have a relationship with God, oftentimes what happens for us is we might, you know, if we're in an, in an argument, sometimes we fight, sometimes we argue just a little. We have very strong personalities in this house, everyone very strong. does. But what brings us back is God's word. So I might feel like I, I am right and I want to be told that I'm right or whatever it is. Or I feel like, man, I just we just don't agree on this. When I pick up God's word and I read it, I mean, I can just open to Psalms or Proverbs and instantly get a word of wisdom, which pulls me back to the middle and takes me away from the extreme parts of my personality and bring me, brings me back to a place of love and grace. I mean, if, if I, w- I was looking at Psalm 8, I'm sorry, Proverbs 18, 1, and it says, He who separates himself seeks his own desire, mm. and he quarrels mm. against all sound wisdom. Mm. A fool does not delight in understanding, only really in revealing his own mind. Mm. So when I look at that, I'm, I'm instantly, God is saying to me, you don't want to be this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want to be so separated out from what I'm doing that you aren't listening to any sound reason or logic. Like, come on, bring, bring it back in. And that pulls me back in. Well, so God will always speak loudly if we give him an opportunity to do so. And what I always tell couples in premarital counseling is that God's word isn't bias. So right, it's not taking sides. <laughs> the, the thing when you go to God's word in yeah. a relationship is yeah. that He didn't He didn't write this and go, you know what? I want Carrie to win. <laughs> you know what? I'm on Tim's side. Right, exactly. And so God's yeah. word isn't biased. So if we mm-hmm. agree to a third party that is neutral and a third party that is divine, a third party right. that says that God desires for us to prosper that he has good plans for us, that the Father in heaven only gives good gifts, that he gives wisdom to any man that should ask and gives it liberally, like he's literally taking a heaping spoon and say, oh, you want seconds? Boom, there you go. Mm -hmm. So there's no problem that we can't solve if we're going to his word. That's the playbook for life. And so we've tried to tell our children that's what they have to build their relationships on. And then we describe what healthy relationships look like. As you are teaching your kids and and starting to guide them, you know, they'll start liking someone and then they want to date someone. And, uh, they'll make it uh, official now on social media oh, yeah. in a relationship or whatever it says. And so it's such a different world. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, what you're trying to give them is guide rails. It's like for us, you, you can't, you're not allowed to date someone who doesn't go to church. And yep. so they have to be. A person who's godly they have to be a person who's a pursuer because if they never date someone why, why start in the wrong place <laughs> right if they never date someone who is not connected to Jesus then they'll never marry someone who's not connected mm-hmm. to Jesus and if they're not connected to Jesus then we have a recipe for disaster yeah. <laughs> right from the start and you know I think some parents definitely get off on a wrong foot here and they're like well we can't control who they like correct yeah. you can't control who they like but you can control who they date yes you can <laughs> mm-hmm. you just say no 
say no we're not gonna we're not gonna date that person and I think for I think and I don't, I don't think I'm getting ahead of myself on this but I think one of the things I'm sure there's teenagers watching we have a lot of fusers that watch on Sundays you may be watching with your parents or by yourself but as you start to form your own decisions and you start to decide how you're gonna what your standards are gonna be and how you're gonna live your own life for sure in this house we have those discussions a lot with our kids is trying to train them to think for themselves mm -hmm. on this that their default is is rooted in God's word and we don't necessarily have to be there guy I and mean, obviously we're going to be but at some point you want that to switch that flip well, over that where they can point. make you their did decision. get ahead of that. Is, did? Yes. Oh darn. Point number 3 and then we'll let Carrie go again. Yes, I'm sorry. What is it? Is model what you message. I got ahead of it. Model what you message. Yeah. And so at some juncture the modeling of it yeah. is going to be what they reference, and then you want to transition to autonomy. Right. And so, boy, Tim said it a lot better than me. Whenever they get to the age, I'm going to guesstimate uh, 15, 16, mm -hmm. their emotions now are complex enough that they're going to want to start being autonomous. If you have teenagers, you'll understand what I'm saying. Like, what? Do you not trust me? Like, what? You know, have I ever given you a reason? And I'll promise you, they're going to lose on that. But the, the point is, is that they're starting to feel autonomous. They have emotions that are gaining ground toward maturity, but they still don't have the right boundaries. And so that's why it causes teenagers. When you put teenagers in, a, in adult decisions, they oftentimes will go to extremes um, because they're like filling out for their, where those parameters are. Mm -hmm. And so you have to, you can't, con it's like a control thing whenever they're in the formative years. So you're telling them what to think. You tell them what they can eat. You tell them when to go to bed. You tell them when to brush their teeth. But if you're having to tell your 17-year-old to brush their teeth, something's wrong. Something's broken. Because that's a, that's a habit that you taught them that is valuable, and now they're doing it because, not because you're telling them, but because they know their breath is going to stink. Right. People are going to be around them going, oh my gosh, someone needs to tell them to brush their teeth. So the same way in dating and even more important yeah. when it comes to <clears throat> marriage is that you're wanting to train a voice inside of them that when they get to these formative and even graduation adult years, it's no longer what mom and dad say. It's not what pastor says even. It's what is God telling me? What is God telling What is his me? word telling me? Right. And so that voice has to transition from your voice to God's voice. And so you are God's voice for your children. That's your role. Yeah. God says that, that your children are a heritage from the Lord. So you are God's voice to them. That's why the Bible says, train up the child in the way they should go. That's not the church that's training them up. That's you. Mm -hmm. That's you as the parents are training them up mm -hmm. in the way they get. You're stacking stones right. that they can reference when they get older to see how God did it. And so just want to encourage you that you got to start as early as possible. And you may be getting a late start to church. Your kids are getting a late start. You just got to run faster to catch up. Yeah. But when it comes to who they date, what their habits are, you got to put God's parameters in place. And then you got to start working toward a relationship where they are starting to say, what does God want for my life? And that becomes autonomous when they become adults. And so you are still a reference point but you are not the voice that's guiding them. That's coming from inside of them. I heard a guy say it like this one time. It's the difference between the sun and a fire 
that's burning inside of somebody. Oh, that's good. And you were saying it just a moment ago mm -hmm. is that you have to have a personal relationship. Right, right. So for an infant, you have to provide food for them. And so you take the spoon, you put it in their mouth. But if you were doing that for an 18 year old, that'd be a little weird. You're doing that for a 35 year old, something's gone wrong. Right. And so as we get older, we learn how to feed ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so in the Christian walk is that when you come into church, the Bible says you're literally like an infant. And so we feed you. But as you get more mature, you learn how to feed yourself. And so when the sun comes up, it heats up everything that it touches. But when the sun goes down, goes away. that grows cold Cools again. Down. Yeah. So if church is something that is guiding and heating up your faith or connection to people is what's the only thing that's guiding and, and creating the heat in your faith, then when you're disconnected, as many of us have become, what happens? That relationship with God grows cold yeah. because your relationship is by osmosis through the fire of others. Right. But if we can, as the Apostle Paul told uh, the young preacher Timothy, if we can stir up the flame that's inside of you, then it doesn't matter if we're around or not around, you still have something inside right. that you can draw from. Right. Point number three, um, your story needs to have a God did it or it wouldn't have happened. He said, when they see these stones, you tell them they represent. So these, these are for people who didn't see it. They didn't see Generations the start of Genesis Metro Church. My kids didn't see when I accepted Christ and I started preaching um, as a teenager or when Carrie followed Christ and was helping students a long time ago or when we worked together mm -hmm. in the youth groups of the first churches when we were in college. Our, our kids didn't see any of that. Yeah. Um, but he says that whenever they see the stones, these, these memorials, or when we tell them those stories, then they will know that that's where... God did it. And so the, the fact that we're sitting here today, we can reference those stories. We have those stories to share with our children. And now they become a testimony of what God did. Because sometimes people have been asking us, maybe because Jordan was engaged, maybe he was getting married. I don't know. And, you know, Titus is preaching and uh, Silas is doing the Psy Guy stuff. And he's a Jesus lover. And yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's going to go into ministry or not, but the other two, uh, right now, it seems like that's what they want to do, what they're called to do. And people have been asking, it seems more than ever, like, well, how'd you guys do it? And I'd love to tell you that. I wish there was a formula. Yeah, we, like, we did one through ten and we can guarantee yeah. success. But I think at the end of the day, we have to say God did it. And when, when they walked across on dry ground, only God could do that. And um, getting it. Yeah, only God. It, it at the end of the day it's always only God I feel like we mentioned this verse the last couple of weeks of I planted Apollos watered but God gave the increase and that that is pervasive in the scripture it's woven throughout that a whole thing of a man a woman is willing to serve God willing to dedicate their family to God willing to walk in what God wants but God is the one who makes the way, just like he parted the water. God is the one who calls a man's heart. God is the one who decides this is the path you're going on. And a man has to follow that. But Tim and I, just because we decided to follow God in ministry, doesn't necessarily guarantee, you know, just, to, just on the sheer fact that we are following God in ministry or just following after God, that our kids are going to do that. But God is going to call your kids. God is going to call each kid. 
-hmm. and it's their opportunity to answer that call. And I think what and they, the, and they don't I, have to do ministry. It's, it's no, whatever I, God when, wants for their life. When I say God is going to call every child, it's in, in any walk of life. Yeah. God may call you to be the most influenced. Um, I'm sorry, the, the strongest influence in the accounting department that your corporation has ever seen. Mm -hmm. That's a calling because mm -hmm. there's lots of different callings. But for, for us, it's putting them in a, it's putting your kids in an, in a situation where God is all around it. Mm -hmm. And then you get to watch him work. Mm -hmm. And for us, it's just being consistent. I think through the years has been something that we have uh, been true to of course we are not perfect whatever you could pick us apart I'm sure if you wanted to but when we put our kids in the situations over and over and over again to hear from God it's a guarantee that he's gonna speak and, it's a guarantee that he's gonna speak. and what I'm trying to say in specific to the context of our week is that you know God bringing a godly woman yeah into Jordan's life that mm -hmm. wants to pursue after and be connected so that their calling is is the same, just like yeah. just like Carrie and I. Um, when you trust in God, that's what He does. He He will always bring the right person mm -hmm. at the right time, right. and that's what you begin to trust. And so, um, for all my parents that are watching, you need to instill in your children that God will bring the right person, and the right person is going to have these attributes. They're going to be a person who knows Jesus, who is pursuing after Jesus, that church is a non-negotiable that we need community a godly community in our lives yeah. and that we're going to use god's word as a rule book you follow those four That's I, will, it. I will guarantee a marriage that is able to make it through the marathon of life now for all my single people in the house all my single people <laughs> maybe you've been through a divorce already yeah uh, maybe you're a college age graduating age you're in your 20s and you're like seeing people get married and you're like oh where's, boy where's my guy where's oh boy i better i better get on the online sites and and light it up um and just take whatever comes my way don't don't do it now you can online date i'm saying you still have to have the parameters in place don't settle don't, don't settle. settle it's the rest of your life it is it's the rest of your, it's it's your happiness the greatest yeah. quotient of happiness outside of your decision to say yes to jesus is wrapped up in your decision on who you marry. That's right. So before you say, I do, you better make sure they love Jesus, they're pursuing Jesus, they are committed to godly community, and that the Bible is absolutely the rule book for life. And you should be, mm. for all the parents in here, you should be, you should have a stack of stories that you can point your children to and say, we wouldn't be in this house. We wouldn't be able to do these things yeah. if God didn't show up. And uh, the more credit you give to God, the more they see God's hand at work in your life. Absolutely. And so really want to encourage you to examine those things. And if you needed some hope today, I'm just going to tell you, step in. Yeah. Whatever that obstacle is, you wade into it. If God has directed you, then you wade into it. And it's, you can't consider what's possible. Because with God, all things are possible. So you have to wade in to take that step and then let him overcome the obstacle for you. And so that's my encouragement to you guys today. And next week, um, right down below on Facebook, we have a survey that we have sent out to everyone. I think we've had like over 112 homes uh, resp respond so far uh, that lets us know what to expect for the children's ministry because we're only having one live service, service next, next week, week our 9 30 
And then we're kind of gauging the reopening yeah. based on um, the amount of people that are willing to come back right now. Mm -hmm. We're still going to serve uh, the online crowd throughout perpetuity. We've always actually uh, served yeah, the online crowd. Yeah, we've been doing crowd, online church, but it was but kind of minimal and so now much. we're trying to ramp that up and still try to figure out all these other pieces um, to the puzzle. And so just want you to know if you will help us by filling out that survey that's listed on Facebook below. That will help us out tremendously. Let us know if you're coming. Also, um, when it comes to um, connecting, we've had people that are our first-time guests that um, are watching online. There's a link right here. Um, if you will text uh, that number that's on the screen, our connection team will spring into action, <laughs> and they will make sure that you get connected and answer yeah. any questions that you might have. Um, there's also one right here for giving, and that is uh, we, we believe that a part of our obedience to God is that, and this is one of the stones that my children, this has been instilled from them from day one. You know, we believe that God teaches tithing, that a tithe is me setting aside the first 10% of my increase, my income, and giving that to God, to the church, sowing that seed into the kingdom. And God then takes that and he grows that seed into a harvest. And so that $1 multiplies into yeah. hundredfold of life change. What God does. And so we've been doing that all of our lives mm -hmm. and we've instilled that stone into our children so that they understand. And this is really where the obedience of the tithe, um, and we, we try to balance out our teaching on giving because one of the obstacles for people that are coming into church is like, oh, that church just wants my money. But that's the furthest thing from the truth. Um, what I will tell you is, is that your money and your heart are, Jesus tied those two things together. He said that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, that you can't love God and love money at the same time. You can't, you can't be in love with this worldly stuff and be in love with God at the same time. So whenever we discipline ourselves and we learn to be obedient in our tithing and give to God first, it is an outward sign of worship that God has given us all of it. So the, the tithe is saying to God, I thank you for the 100% of what you have blessed my family with in my income, and I'm honoring you with the first tenth of that income. Right. And so that's, that's why it's, it's more than just like giving your money to an organization, because there's a lot of great organizations out there. There are a lot of great organizations doing a lot of great things, but there's none that compared to the church. Um, if we give to... A cancer awareness thing or this political organization or that those things are trying to solve worldly problems we're trying to solve eternity problems and so investing in the church is an obedience thing but it's also there's no ROI in any other organization that equals the life change of coming into a relationship with Jesus and the local church was commissioned to that end that we would go and be a light into all the world even in the midst of the COVID crazy crisis that yeah. we have to be a light right. in our community if that's virtually if that's putting us um and putting you know when we had services again we realized that there was an inherent risk mm -hmm. but at the same time we still believe that that's what god has called us to and we're trying to be as safe as we possibly can we're trying to follow the protocols that will keep us safe but at the same time it's like at some juncture i think that we're going to have to take a step forward and realize there's a new normal, and if community and 
God's presence in corporate worship is something that elevates us, something that gives us hope, something that gives us, you know, something to share with our children, um, that gives them that foundation, that at some juncture, if the softball field is worth the risk or the, the, the target shopping center is worth the risk or the mall is worth the risk, then I, I think we're going to have to get to that church is worth the risk. Not for all, not for all, but for most. I think that it's a, it's a safe thing that we're going to have to figure out along the way. So if you have any questions or we can help in any way, shape, or form, we would look forward to seeing you on August 2nd. If you could fill out that survey so that we can be prepared um, for our seating capacities, uh, that would be also super helpful. Yep. That's right. it. We don't have, have anything a, else? Have a great, great day, and we'll see you in seven days. Right. And I, also, I hope uh, Carrie's sister uh, was our guest worship uh, leader with her husband uh, this week, and mm -hmm. I hope you guys enjoyed that. And um, I think we might be having them back sometime. Yeah, yeah, totally. They're awesome. So have a great week. We'll see you soon. Bye, everybody. Wedding week is over! <laughs>